0: Thank you so much for choosing this podcast from CFTN Payson. We are Church for the Nations in Payson, Arizona. We are a Bible-believing church. and believe God has a word for you today. You can reach us at www.cftnpayson.com or you can give us a call at 928-444-8791. We hope that you're blessed by the message that you've chosen today. God bless you. Who wants to take a stab at what is the most important issue in marriage? I know you're like, wow, that's a big question. Trust. What was it? Finances? Okay. Well, I put thing up there, so let's rephrase it. What's the most important thing in marriage? Love. Love. A ring? My son, he's getting it, see. My my son's already picked up on that. Come on. Well, all these are good, but that's not the question that's not the answer I'm looking for. The most important thing. Honesty. God. Ding 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 ding. We have a winner. God. So Matthew. Matthew 7, to 25 in the message says, These words I speak to you, and they are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on the solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that, that house. It was fixed to the rock. Father, I thank you that this morning your word is going forth and I thank you that this is not homeowner improvements, this is not things just to spice up my life, but this is truth and foundation that I can lock my life and my relationships to and that by doing what you say, doing what I know is in your heart, I can have the best marriage, best friendship best relationship that God has to offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Of all the things that we've talked about in marriage, and I know some of them may have been uncomfortable for some of you, but of all the things we've mentioned and talked about, this is probably the most important thing in marriage. Relationship. Friendship. Anything you can think of, this is the most important thing. Your personal relationship I think I'll yeah, well, anyway, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the very most important thing. Genesis 127 and and28 says, "So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, He created male and female, He created them." There was three people involved in the, in the beginning. Three. Man, woman, and God. Like I said, three is just kind of all over the place today. Man, woman, God. There's three things in the beginning. So let's talk about the image of God. It says that we were created in the image of God. In Genesis 1.26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image, our image. The word for God in there is Elohim, which is a plural masculine, I know this is like whatever, but this is a plural word. So God is, we believe, three things, right? The Godhead is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Right? So isn't it interesting that if God is three things, that he created us that way as well, right? Body, soul, spirit. Okay? Now he's created us three ways as well. Now he created measure, measure, he created marriage, right? At the beginning. He created a helper for the man. So I believe that men are supposed to be in the Trinity, men are supposed to be Jesus. I know you guys are like, whatever, really? Like, you want me to be Jesus? I believe that's our, our role in the marriage. We are to be an example. We are to walk righteous. We're supposed to lead. We're supposed to have the, some of the answers, right? We're supposed to be the person to lean on in the marriage, The woman, in Genesis 2.18 and 19, says, It is not good for a man to be alone. Let's make him a helper. Where else do we hear helper? The Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to leave you a helper. And the helper was the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I believe the woman in the marriage or relationship is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and my wife loves reminding me because she'll sit here sometimes and she'll say something and then she'll chuckle and she'll say, See, Holy Spirit number two. Right? Because men, how many you know it's good to listen to the Holy Spirit? And it's also good to listen to the Holy Spirit number two sometimes, right? And I believe that the Father is God, Jesus, central, in the middle of our marriage. So you've got men, God, woman, or woman, man, God, however, whichever way you're looking at it. But God is in the center. God is central. And you're like, yeah, I've heard all this before. What does it really mean to me? When you dedicate your marriage to God, something happens in the spirit realm. Something snaps in the spirit realm. How many know that who here, the minute you gave your marriage to God, truly gave it to God, your relationship, and you said, I'm giving it to you, Lord, you are number one, this is what I'm doing, all hell broke loose. Because something shifts in the spirit realm. The enemy hates when you put God in the middle of your marriage. Why do you think that there's such an attack on the marriage? Such an attack on relationships. When you decide to cogniz... When you have a cognizant decision to say God, because it is a choice, right? See, marriage is not always a trinity. Just because you say married doesn't mean you're a trinity. I had a sign above my toilet, which is a weird place to put it, but we had a sign above the toilet that said marriage takes three, right? I don't know why it was there. It's kind of odd, Okay. But I don't care if that sign, I could, I could write that over, Scribe it all over the walls. I could, I could tattoo it on my body, and that means nothing, right? Because it's a choice. It's an opportunity for me to make a choice to say, no, God is central in my marriage. Okay? So, let's look at the Samaritan woman for a little bit. You guys know the story. Jesus goes to Samaria. He sits down beside a well. This lady comes up there, and she's a Samaritan. And he says, Let's, let's put it in context. See, Jesus wasn't even supposed to talk to her, right. he wasn't even supposed to have any conversation with her. She's a half breed. She wasn't even someone, she was lower in society than, than anybody else. So, therefore, as a Jewish man, he wasn't, let alone that she was a woman mm-hmm. in that society. But as a woman and as a Samaritan, it was like, hand, you don't even walk. You walk around her. That's, that's the way she was viewed. And yet, Jesus is now addressing her. And he starts marriage counseling. Now, as a, as a pastor, I get an opportunity to, 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 to uh, counsel marriages. And it's very easy. Not, not the counseling part. I was going to continue, and I forgot to continue my sentence. But it's very easy to tell someone what to do as a counselor. It's very easy to say, well, this is what I see. Change this, 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 and you shall have happiness and bliss. However, that is not the way that we communicate with friends and loved ones and people, right? And um, I don't know why my mind went this way, but I'm going to go this way. I I was preaching on grace at the school, and I was putting out some really, uh, th- I was putting out things that really were slaughtering some sacred cows, right? And a lot of these sacred cows were that, you know, we, we look at people as lost instead of looking at them as an, a fellow son or daughter of the king, and once we look at them as lost, we look down, because now I am superior because I know what you need to know, right? And I was, I was going through this, and I, and I shared this, and I basically made a, a really, what I believe wholeheartedly is that no matter where you're at, God loves you more than anything. And we need to recognize that in our body and not, and not f- try to fix everybody, but to give them an opportunity to fix themselves, right? Through Jesus. So then I had a guy come up to me afterwards, and he was, a, I th- he was an ethnic pastor because I think he might have like a, a church of Africans or something. I don't know. He was ethnic. He was hard to understand. But he told me about a situation that he was in his church. And he said, this happened, this happened. I had, to, I had to tell this leader this, okay? Because of confidentiality, I'm not going to share what it was. But it was something that in in most religious circles would be pretty hardcore, like you need to sit down, right? And while I told him that, I feel that there is a difference in leadership now don't take me wrong here but if i'm standing here preaching the word of god and truth of god then there is a certain expectation that i live what i preach right right Amen. okay so so i told him while that's while my blanket statement about the lost is true i also understood his stand and what he did but i said you your primary responsibility now is to go and to uh, restore that relationship because it was burnt like that got burnt so I said as his brother you need to restore that relationship but I said another way and the spirit of God dropped on me what I was to tell him and, and afterwards I was like wow that was good right I said instead of telling him the word says this now you have to do this or you can't do this right Ask your friend in love and say, look, I know you know the word back and forth. You preach it, and you're a good preacher. So help me understand. Because relationships about understanding. It's not about agreement, right? Help me understand why you justify what you do. Okay? This now allows this person to do some self-introspect. It allows him to say, okay, why do I think I'm right? when I know it says it's wrong in there, right? But it's not a condemnation, right? So we need to rephrase ourselves, giving opportunity to others to justify what they're saying. Because I, how many of you had your mind changed one point in your life? How yeah. <laughs> many think if you're going down a road and you thought you're right here, and all of a sudden you realize you're wrong, right? It happens. Yeah. Yeah. Me, probably more than... Then not, but allowing ourselves to be in a position of, okay, I love you as a brother, as a sister, as a wife, as a girlfriend, as whatever. I love you enough that I want to understand because too many times, and this is going kind of way off of my stuff, but too many times we get lopsided where, and my wife, bless her heart, when we got married was f- far more spiritual than I am was, Right? Like as far as she amen me see um, she she had was at a completely different place spiritually than I was, right so she had to have grace with me instead of telling me all the things that I should be doing. You should be reading your Bible, you should be praying you should you know, should, should 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 instead of doing that, she had to have grace to allow me to change because I was seeing a change in her or somewhere else or whatever that makes sense, okay so. Let me rewind back, okay, right here. So now, we're at, the, at this well with the Samaritan woman, and Jesus didn't start telling her what she did wrong, right? He didn't say, you're, you're an adulterous woman. Yeah, you, don't, you weren't married once. You were, he didn't go off like that, right? No, he said, go get your husband. Why did he say that? He knew she was married more than once. He knew she wasn't married right then. So what was Jesus? Was he like trapping her? He's That's right. So Jesus looks at her and says, go get your husband. And he knew she wasn't married because he says later on, I know that. What it did is it, it put her in a position of explanation of what she was doing rather than the defense of saying, wait a minute. What do you, who are you to talk to me like that? You know? Make sense? Okay, so Jesus starts talking to the woman, starts counseling her. And the point I'm trying to make is Jesus loved that woman. No matter what she'd been, she'd been through five husbands. And she wasn't married now. But he still loved her. Right? So this morning, if you're divorced, have been divorced, or are going through a divorce, I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you. He loves you unconditionally right where you're at and what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've been through or going through or whatever. He loves you right where you're at. He's willing to talk to you when you're at your deepest and darkest. He said, lady, you are trying to drink from a human well that will never satisfy. See, Jesus is... Compassionate to people going through marriage problems. How many of you had, have had valleys in your marriages that you never want to go through again? Mine's as high as anybody else. Right? But Jesus is compassionate and loves you through that. Even when you have the hardest, nastiest questions for God. God, where are you in this? What is she thinking? What is he thinking? God, you created him. What, what, is, what did you make here? Or, God, she's so much more than this and she, she needs to realize this. Strike her down or something. Figure, not dead, I'm just saying like, I'm thinking road to Damascus kind of stuff, right? But see, marriage was designed to work with God in the middle, and when we start looking at others, I, I visualize God as being like a mirror between me and my wife. So when I want to look at her and I want to see fault in her, where do you think I'm looking? I'm looking right back at me. Right? Because there's no way that in any relationship, dating or otherwise, friendship, there's no way to fix that relationship by fixing the other person. Ever. Never. Never happens. It only comes by fixing yourself. Does it make sense? And so as a pastor, this, is my, this might shock you, but as a pastor, when I'm counseling people, there will be times when I will tell them to separate. Wait a minute. Aren't you for, aren't you for a reconciliation? Aren't you for putting this back together? but how many of you know that cliche that says that, that, uh, I just lost the cliche where it says love absence makes the heart grow fonder. It sounds pretty cliche, but it's so true. Sometimes it takes, if you're at an impasse, sometimes it takes something like that to prove how much you really do miss each other. Because what you do is you spend time reflecting on yourself and what you can do to make, this situation better when you're in the midst of it sometimes you can't think or see through the mess and all you can see is her faults or his faults but all you can see is the situation but when you when you take some time to reflect you realize that you know i do miss her i do miss him i want her i want him it's a choice and then all of a sudden, you see the desire to fix myself so I'm more appealing to come back together. Does that make sense? I know, that just this just, just, has just got nothing to do with my, actually. <laughs> I'm flowing by the Spirit this morning. Come on. Matt, I will go back to my notes because there is something that I have to say today, and I have to make sure that I, God allows me to say that, right? Four basic needs that only God can meet. One of them is acceptance. The next one is identity. The next one is security. And the next one is purpose. Now there's more, but those are four basic fundamental needs that everybody needs. And if you're taking notes, write that down. Because if you've had problems in your marriage, if you've had problems with your friendships, if you've had problems with your relationships, most likely one of those or all of those have not been met in your life. Now acceptance is... I need to know that somebody loves me despite all my faults and my mistakes. I need to know that. I need to know that no one... I'm a fix-it person. When I'm in conflict, I want to fix you. That's, that's my nature. Ask my wife. And when she's venting to me about something, how many of you know she doesn't want to hear me fix the situation? But that seems to be the first thing I do. At least I did. I hope I'm getting better. Instead of just listening and saying, yes, honey, yes, honey, huh? I try to say, well, if you do this, or if you do this, it would change this. I'm trying to fix it. That doesn't work. Because she doesn't feel accepted for her valid point, for what she's going through. Even if I don't think it's valid, I need to, I need to try to figure out a way in love to show her Show her. That's a key word. Not tell her. Be an example and show. The next one is identity. I need to know who I am. God is the one that made you. It's just like I told Sabrina this morning. God made you. In Psalms it says you were formed You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you don't feel that you have an identity, if you don't feel that you have a purpose, actually purpose is later on, but the same idea. If the identity brings your purpose. But if your identity is kind of in a flux, you don't have a clue who you are. That's probably a place where you start to dive in. Find out what God created you to be. And I'm hoping that in a, few, in a, in a month or two, I'm hoping to, to offer an opportunity for people to come and actually go through a workshop process over a couple weeks to help you start, the, the, the Spirit of God to start stirring in you to know who you are. See, I'm, I probably have only known who I am and I learn every day. As a a core person, I probably have only known who I am for about five years. Maybe six or seven, but but less than ten. That God told me who I was, I believed it, and I walk in it. Now, before that, there's lots of years that I didn't have a clue why I was born. Why I was here on this earth. Was I just some biological blob that was... And how many know there's a lot of people in that cycle of not knowing who you are? The next one is security. I need to feel safe. Okay, ladies, I'm going to ask you the question. Who wants to feel safe and secure in your relationship? 100%. And those that you didn't raise your hand, you can come and confess you're lying later on. (laughs) Security is a big deal for both. I have to know that no matter what happens, my wife will be there. No matter. And we've had an opportunity to have this happen in our life. We've got to a place where all we had was one another. And if she had any security in anything that we owned or, or that we, we had, if that was her security, she'd have been gone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> amen that one too. But the security has to come from some other place. Right? The next one is purpose. I need to know why I wake up each day What is my identity, one. And two, why am I, what am I here to do? What is my assignment? What is my purpose with that identity? God, his answer to this is because you're a part of the family of God. That's your purpose. Your purpose is here to create kingdom value, to move kingdom forward. Now, Sabrina, I said that you're a hairdresser. Okay, now or or stylist or whatever you call it. I'm not trying to whatever the whatever the term is. Okay, that is your not your identity. That is what you do. That is what you're good at, and that's your talent. Okay, now you're using that talent to push forward the kingdom of God. Your purpose is to push the kingdom. It's not to make a really good haircut. I'm sure you do, and you're good at it. When that's what you do but you have a captive audience right in front of you to show love, support and I've been in Salon so I know that there's a lot of uh, pouring out of one's emotions at the chair at the chair, right? and so this gives you an opportunity so purpose being more than just cutting that hair purpose being I need to help this person and elevate them into their destiny okay So, we can't just think of ourselves as a secretary mechanic, hairdresser, computer analyst, car salesman, nurse. You can't think of yourself as only that. You have a higher purpose. Now, I have a a point to marriage in all of these. I know you're like, huh, where are we going here? See, God is the only person that has the answer to your deepest questions. See, again acceptance is am I going to be loved for the rest of my life? God, am I going to be loved for the rest of my life? God, who am I? God, am I going to be okay? And why am I here? See, you can only ask that question to one person. In the three of marriage, there's only one person you can ask that that can give you the right answer. See, I can look at my wife and tell her this is what I see in you, but I really can't tell her who she is. God has to do that. And if I don't trust God in my life, I automatically transfer that responsibility on the other people in my relationship. And most of the time, that's my spouse. See, you are probably married... Or have a relationship with a marvelous person, an amazing person, someone that, can, that knows you better than anybody, but you're not married to Jesus or God. Unless you are, you find yourself in a negative flux because you're looking to your husband or your wife to fulfill these four questions in your life. And they can't do it, they won't do it. They may try, but if they do, they will fail miserably. Unless God is the author of those answers. See, when I saw my wife, for the first time, (laughs) you know, I was like, wow, she's so special. She can make me feel so safe. And she accepts me even with this earring in my ear. And she (laughs) accepts... You know... And I'm going to purpose... She gives me purpose. Because she gives me purpose to, to, to supply for her and make her life better, right? But if those are all superficial parts of relationship... Wow, we need to have the butterflies of, "Wow, she's hot. She's a! Wow. You need to tell your friends, "Man, have you seen Dina? Come on. Come on You know your jelly. I'm borrowing my sons. You know your jelly. Jealous by the way, if you don't know what that is. And she probably looked at me and go, "Oh, he's my knight in shining armor." <laughs> I didn't hear it, amen. Did you guys hear it, amen? Okay. How many know the Samaritan woman had gone through this five times? She had looked to someone to be her all five times. And she decides, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm not even going to get married anymore because it isn't worth it. I'm just going to live with this guy. But I need security. I need identity. I need purpose. I need acceptance. But I'm not going to tie the knot because I'm just done. It doesn't work. She felt abandoned. She felt left out. Hopeless. How many know that's a picture of America today? It really is. How many people have, have friends, have opportunity to see people that have given it up? And they're just like, done. I'm done because it isn't working, right? Some countries, I, forget, I think it's Sweden. I'm not sure for sure. But, but their marriage rate is like in the single digits. Everybody just for, forgoes the marriage part of it because they've learned in their society it doesn't work. So when I put a paper between us, all of a sudden things change, and it shouldn't. I don't understand it, but that's how society has has come to to realize this. And so they just get, she's she's at the well, and she's like, "I'm just done. I'm finished. No more. I'm not doing anymore." How many know that the the marriage isn't the problem? Getting married wasn't the problem. It was where do you put your focus? It's where where do you Get your identity. Where do you get your stuff from? See, when we put... When Judy puts on Ed the responsibility to tell her who she is, she's become codependent. Now, codependence is not just on a substance. It's not just on drugs and alcohol or whatever. Codependence is as much on your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend as any... Who here likes a needy significant other i don't see any hands because okay a poll there's a poll that says that if if you were asked you want a confident spouse that you go into a marriage and you want a confident spouse i remember dating people and when it got, I got my litmus test for when it's time to move on was if I didn't want to pick the phone up when they called. Once I started getting a phone call, I'm like, ah, I don't want to talk to her. How yeah, I many you know it's probably time to move on, right? <laughs> yeah, with Dina, it was like four hours a night on the phone. We lived long distance, but no. We can't look to other people and be codependent on them, because when they let us down, it leads to bitterness, anger, strife. It gives starts you start looking at the other person. you start looking at the situation and putting fault on it. You start doing all this stuff because you have given yourself to that person and given them a spot in your life that they aren't entitled to. And as we talk about boundaries throughout the throughout the time we've been preaching this, there's a God spot, there's a spouse spot, there's a family spot, and too many times we intermingle. And we try to put our husband or wife in that God spot, and it doesn't work. Right. Jesus is the only way to have a successful marriage. Amen. To have a three-part... You know, there's a reason why all these cliches, a three-band three, uh, three cord, three-strand cord... Uh, is the strongest or whatever. You know, you think all these things that are in threes. There's a reason why. There's no coincidence. God created the whole thing. And it takes more than one, more than two. It takes three to accomplish it. And some some of us have, have actually leaned back to our parents when it comes to this. Some of us are bitter towards the way that they raised us. And it could be bad things and it could be even not so bad things. My dad didn't come to my soccer practices or my dad didn't, you know. But we internalize these and we take these right on into our marriage. And we don't even know they're there. They're deep. We don't understand why we're expecting our wife to do stuff and it's because we're missing a void that we expected our parents to do which we didn't... We put our parents in the wrong position. Our parents, we as parents our only requirement is to bring you and raise you up to love Jesus, to seek Jesus, to seek God. Now we can... How many people have have lived a life, feel that you've lived a life that has mirrored what your parents have wanted you to do? They maybe have spoken something into your life early on Family businesses are notorious for this because you raise raise your children, you have a business, and you expect they're going to take over the business when you are ready to, to leave it, right? And then that's pushed, 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 pushed. Well, that's not parenting, honestly. See, parenting is giving you the license to be who God created you to be. Now, as we see him, my son, I'm pointing at him, as we see my son rise up with interests and have talents in certain directions, we can allow them to go and do certain things in those to help cultivate. But for me to tell Jaden, you will be a pastor or say, you know, that's what you're destined to and prophesied over him and everything, unless God drops at my spirit, it can be damaging. It can cause bitterness, it can cause strife, it can cause something that will damage him for his marriage relationship. Does it make sense? So God wants you to take the the distortion off of what it's like my wife let's do about my wife my wife's uh, prophetic act. Everybody put their hand in front of their face and like a windshield wiper go like this. I'm gonna declare that you're wiping away what everybody else has told you, what your husband, and your wife have told you, what and you too Whatever anybody has told you that you are, or you're going to be, or what you're going to do, or your identity, or your purpose, I want you to wipe it all away. And I want you to then say, God, I want you to tell me who I am and my purpose. And if you're the spouse on both sides, see, if you both did this, guess what? You've erased what you expected of your of your spouse as well as what she's expected from you. Right? You're an open slate. You're you're a clean slate. The, the, The whiteboard has been cleaned off. You can now ask God. Some of you may be completely doing something you may have done for years that is not your purpose. Your husband has told you to do it. Your mom and dad have told you to do it. Your friends have told you to do it. But you just can't stand it. Well, guess what? It's probably time that you ask God what that is. That's kind of... Okay. So, only God can give you the acceptance, identity, security, purpose. Galatians 5.22. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God is the source, and the fruits are the resource. Let me say it again. God is the source. The fruits are the resource. Without God being the source, if your husband or wife is the source, when they stop loving you, your life crumbles. When you look to God, when you look to Jesus as the source of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you look to Him as the source, you have unlimited love. Unlimited. Your tank will be full every day, every minute of the day. Now, Pastor, how is that possible? I have hard times. I I'm am I'm have bad days. We, we don't get along or whatever. But if your source is your wife for all of that, or your husband... Then you have your ups and downs. You feel loved one day, you don't feel loved the next day. You feel accomplished one day, you feel unaccomplished the next day. You feel like you're complete one day, the next day you don't. It's a roller coaster. How many are tired of the roller coaster? Yeah. Now if we lean in and plug in, everybody go like this. If you plug into God as your source, it's it's gonna be like this all the time. Because he's unlimited. He has an unlimited flow of love for you. He has an unlimited source of, of patience. Of whatever you need, he's got the unlimited. So, I want to reiterate, the person you're married to is not the problem. It may be the symptom, but it's not the problem. So if it's a symptom, what is that? If I'm sick and I get a cough, that's a symptom, right? The cough is not the sickness. The symptom is the response my body has towards it. If my wife is nagging me and that is a symptom, then what is the sickness? That is the million-dollar question. So when you don't enjoy the situation you're in, we have to quit looking at the other person. We need to start looking in the mirror. Because if that coming back at me is a symptom, then that tells me that there's something making it sick. And there's only two in that room, right? If she's a symptom, then I must be making it sick. And if we look at every situation out of those glasses... Even when you're not at fault, how many know that things that you can change will shift? And even if you're not at fault in the situation, if you come to that situation with that mindset and you do the changing of whatever it is, that's going to shift, I promise you, without a shadow of a doubt. And the only person that can help you look introspect is Jesus. The only hope for our homes, I'm coming to a landing here. The only hope for our homes at CFTM Payson, the only hope for the Paysonites, the only hope for the Arizonians, the only hope for the United States, and the only hope for the world is to invite Jesus back into our lives. Our lives, personally and as a couple. There's a saying that says, the, the family that prays together stays together. If you have a culture in your home of prayer, if, if when Dina's going something, through something and she comes to me and asks me, can you pray for me on this point? Or I'm going through something and I'm saying, can you pray for me in this point? And we come together in prayer and we bring it to God, nothing can stop us. I'll say it again. Nothing can stop us. If you're going through a hard time right now in your marriage or your relationship, if things are not going well, it may seem out of place. But I would venture to say that if you look back far enough, you've quit praying together. If you look back far enough, somewhere along the line, the spiritual part, the God part in your marriage is gone. Or has at least gone to sleep. So if you want to fix what you're going through, Get back to that point. And it may feel really uncomfortable and you might say, Honey, can you pray for me with a shaking in the knees because you haven't done this for twenty years? Yeah. But if we get back to that, who was it? Was it you I think it was Tim and Stephanie during during their their message of his needs, her needs, I think you said that you stop and you even at the most tense moments you're arguing if you'll just stop (laughs) and hold hands and say, We're gonna pray. In the spirit, I think you said, right? It's a, break. it's a strife break, yeah. As uncomfortable, as much as you want to punch their lights out, if you'll just take a moment and stop. Yeah. And that's with every decision. If you'll take a breath and stop, you will make, t- make better decisions, I promise you. But if you'll just stop and say, no, we're taking a strife break. Let's hold hands. I, somebody else I know went through counseling and they, to, they said the same thing. They didn't say as much on a prayer as just holding hands. Have you ever tried to be mad at somebody you're holding their hands? Especially someone you love and you hold their hand. You immediately like, okay, so this is weird. I'm mad at you, but I'm holding your hand. Right? We need to pursue God as a family. As a family and as a family. Make that number one. Because as much as I love Dina, she can't offer me those four things. And then until we mature into a place where we understand that, and we know that Dina can't be my all, she can't be everything for me, <clears throat> that's God's spot. Right? Let's stand. Tim, you want to play? So this morning I want to just every time every time we get together I never want an opportunity not to be pra- not for prayer. Prayer is prayer is something that is so vital to what we are, okay? So one thing is is if if you are here and you have something you need prayer for either in your body or in 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 your health or whatever whatever it is we want to give you opportunity to pray for so you can find your way forward uh, whenever, whenever you want but I want to give opportunity this morning to pray specific, specifically for people that have realized that God is no longer central in their marriage and even if that marriage is not even in existence anymore but you're saying, okay, Lord, from this day on, any relationships I have, friendships, any, any relationship I have, God will be central to that relationship. Then I want to ask you to step out and come up for prayer, because I, I feel it vitally important. I think my wife and I, we have a relationship that should not be unique But seems to be More unique than it than, than ought to be In that I believe so strongly in her And she believes strongly in me Now we have We do have elevated conversations Occasionally In love <laughs> But I want, I want I believe in impartation as well and I feel like my wife and I, thank God, but I can say that we have a healthy marriage. There's no condemnation to those that don't. But we would love to pray for you and your marriages because I feel that God is doing something in our church in that relationship, in the marriage relationship. We've seen, we've seen it from both sides. We've seen, we've seen winning and we've seen, uh, we've seen attacks on it as well. And so we want to also put ourselves out there that we're here for you. Don't go through anything alone. It's not worth it. And there's nothing wrong with saying, let's, let's get back to where we started.
1: When Nevin was preaching, when you think about the Samaritan woman, one unique thing about that story is in verse, I think it's in verse four. He said the, 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 the verse says he needed to go that way. Some of you need to go that way this morning. Some of you need to go. It was not popular for Jesus' blood, like Nebuchadnezzar, was saying to talk to the spiritual. It's not going to be popular for you to talk to your spouse and say, "I want to pray with you." It's not going to be popular. It's not going to be popular for you to say to go to that friend and say, "Man, I've been codependent and I'm sorry." This isn't just about marriage. It's about relationships. Yeah. And some of you need to go the long way home. Jesus did. And his disciples were like, are like, Are you crazy? He was. And you can be crazy. Because some of you need to go that way. Some of you need to break those boundaries down that say, I can do this. You know, the only reason keeping you Praying together, the only reason for keeping you coming into an agreement is fear that you're not going to be accepted. That's right. And I have news: you've already been accepted. That's right. So some of you need to go that way.
0: That's right. So, so this morning I want to offer that the altar is open. If you want prayer for your relationships, if you want prayer for anything. It's open. Um, we thank you for coming and celebrating with us today. We love you. This is an amazing family. It keeps. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast from CFTN Payson. We are Church for the Nations in Payson, Arizona. We are a Bible-believing church. and believe God has a word for you today. You can reach us at www.cftnpayson.com, or you can give us a call at 928-444-8791. God bless you.